love you to open up to Romans 15. And it says this in verse 5. Romans 15, it says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus has so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. This is our last week looking at a number of the prayers that uh, Paul has prayed. These conversations, and as we spoke about last week, the most important conversations that we can have. Next Sunday, we are having what we call Ministry Sunday. Normally, we have that at the, near the beginning of the year, but we've moved it more to the end of end of the year this time around because we think it's a much better time to have it. It's an opportunity next Sunday for you to hear and go and see about the different ministries that happen at Kilsai South Baptist Church and an opportunity hopefully for you to get involved in uh, those ministries moving into 2018. You might be thinking, I just want to get through 2017, let alone 2018, but we still think it's a great opportunity for you to hear about and possibly become involved in the different ministries within the church. So you'll be able to see those in the foyer next week. But it's also a chance for us to speak again on our mission as a church of sharing Jesus, caring for people, and encouraging Christian growth. So growth. So I'd love you to, to be here next Sunday uh, for that. But here we find ourselves in the last week in our series on prayer. And, and we see throughout the Bible, and uh, we see that uh, prayer is mentioned numbers of times. And it's also what we see is that Jesus prayed. As we read through the Gospels, we read of the times that Jesus prayed. And we also read Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, uh, wrote down the prayers that he prayed for the different churches that, that he planted, that he visited. And uh, while he was in prison, he wrote these prayers and he sent them uh, sent them to the churches to read the prayers that he was praying for them. And I really believe that these prayers are prayers that we can pray ourselves in our, own, in our own prayer lives because sometimes we think, well, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. I should pray more often. I should be more passionate. I should be more faithful when I pray. The reality is, a lot of the times we don't know what to say. We don't know, well, is, it, is this too small for God? Or is this God capable of answering this prayer? And as we talked about last week, we, we, we need to actually look at Paul and the way that Paul prayed some really big prayers. He didn't hold back on his prayers. And the reminder is for us as we even move into this last week here, is to be reminded that there's nothing too small, there's nothing too big, that God wants to hear from you. You are like... Uh, his, your words, are, he is just waiting for your words. He's waiting for you to speak to him. He's actually waiting for you to speak to him. As a father who so deeply loves his children, he loves to hear us speak to him through prayer. So today we want to look at this prayer that's prayed and it's similar to a prayer that Jesus prayed. So we're going to look at um, both of these prayers that they prayed. And the content of these prayers revolve around the idea of unity, of being unified together. 
I'm not sure. Has anyone been to a, um, a, a, the bike races in a velodrome? Has anyone been there? Have you? Has anyone seen bike races? Olympic Games. Who watches the Olympics? No one? Not, okay, well, those of us that watch the Olympics are coming up soon. But they have uh, bike races. And they have them in a velodrome. And if you've been to see a velodrome, it really does dip. The TV doesn't do it justice. One of the ones that I love to watch are the ones where there's the four bikes or the six bikes where they go around and the guy at the front, he's just got to go as crazy as possible. And then the person at the back zooms to the front. I don't, I'm guessing bike riders don't say the word zoom. But anyway, I'll go with zoom. He zooms to the front. And there's such an important... Uh, there's such importance in staying close together, to being unified together in the race. Because if one of the riders is not so unified with the other riders, and we don't like to see this happen, but we get a little bit of a giggle, sometimes he falls over or he knocks the guy in front of him and they all tumble over. Or you watch the race and you're watching and you're not educated in bike riding and the commentator will say, well, the, the Australians are not as unified as the riders in Great Britain, now you're looking at it and you're thinking, are you serious? But there's such uh, importance in, in time if the group of riders are unified together. Because at the end of the day, the most unified and the fastest team will win the race. The importance of unity. It's not just in a bike race, much more than a bike race. Unity in the family of God, unity in the body of Christ is so important as we see with what Paul prayed. Because if we're really honest, unfortunately, not only in today's world, but in past days, us Christians, us churches haven't always been so unified with one another. In my 12 years here, I've gone on and on a bit about this because I would argue with all my heart that one of, the, one of the great tools of the spiritual enemy, Satan, that he has is to divide the body of Christ. When I was 15, my family returned from the Philippines and we went to our local church and we walked into that church and there'd been a split the Sunday before. As a 15-year-old boy, you notice different things. And to this day, I still have never forgotten that, that eerie feeling of walking into that church where half the congregation had left the week before. I don't know who was wrong or right, and I'm not even up here to talk about that. But just the heartache, even as a 15-year-old boy that I picked up that day. It's one of the greatest schemes to divide the body of Christ. Why? Because when we are united, we are unstoppable in what we can do for the glory of God. Absolutely. But if we're divided and we're deluded, we are weak. Hence the importance of the prayer that Paul prays. Paul doesn't want the church to be ineffective in the way that God wants to use us. So Paul addresses this really important theme 
of the family of God being unified. Why? So God, first and foremost, can be glorified. A, a church that's unified glorifies God. And, and, if you wanna, and if you're about glorifying God, well, then you want to be about God's business. So here's what he says. Again, he says this. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Would you treat others as Jesus treats you? Would you think about each other just like Jesus thinks about you? Would you love each other like Jesus loves you? I want you to have the same attitude of mind towards each other as Christ Jesus had. Why? So that we can be of one mind, one voice, that you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 7, we'll go back to this in just a, a second, but he says, accept one another just as, just as Jesus Christ has accepted you, so that, why? You may bring praise to God. If we want to glorify God, if we want to bring praise to God, what we do is we treat each other as Christ loved us. We accept each other as Jesus accepted and loved us. That's Paul's prayer. Why? So God can be glorified. And this prayer is pretty consistent with the prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Jesus prayed, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them what is, may what? May be one, thank you, maybe one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Why? So they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete Unity. And this is, this is really good. That the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I could stop right there and just say, Amen, follow that, and that's it. Let's go. But I'll just put a bit more prep in, so I just want to share a few more things with you. But... Paul prayed for unity. Jesus prayed for unity. Do, we, do I pray for unity? Do you pray for unity for yourself as a follower of Jesus in his church? Do you pray for unity in this church? Do you pray that so that God will be glorified, that God would be known, that we would be as a church so unified that we can actually go out there in this broken world in which we live? Folks, I've learnt this, that no church is perfect. Did you know that? And if you find that church, though, if you do, don't join it, because you're going to make it imperfect. It's an old gag. But I think that we can read through some of what Paul writes about, that there is a model church, 
And I think in my readings, I've been going through Thessalonians. And as you read Thessalonians, you read of a church in Thessalonica. And we read what type of church it is. And it's a church that's full of faith. It's a church full of hope. And it's a church full of love. And it's doing great things. And as I read that and as I'm reading my readings this week and as I think about what I'm preaching and I think to myself and I look at that, I think, hey, they have things in place for a unified church, that they were a church full of unity. Paul praised them for that. Are you praying regularly for unity in the body of Christ? There's not too many things that I can stand up here and claim I do regularly, but I do regularly pray for this, for this church. But not just this church, but for other churches as well. And I I pray for people, even within our Baptist Union, that work with churches that are ununified so that they can play a part to bring back that unity so God can be glorified, so they can be about God's business. Because it's so important. I think being a, this is a bit of a far stretch, but but I think being a parent of three kids can help at times. Of understanding how our Heavenly Father values and loves unity from his children. You know, for for Son and I, uh, one of the things that brings us the greatest joy is when our kids are loving one another. There wasn't at times always love when they were little in the back seat. (laughs) Most times they got on, they still get on. But with my family living in South Australia, we had a number of nine-hour trips that turned into 11-hour trips and all sorts of hour trips to see my family. And we didn't always sing happy songs. We didn't always play I Spy. We weren't the Brady Bunch always. There was at times, if you can believe this, there was arguing. There was all sorts of things going on in that back seat. Sonia played the part of the United Nations. (laughs) But it used to really frustrate me. Like these type of words. Don't you do that again. Samuel, if, if you don't stop, you can walk from here. <laughs> We're in Horsham. <laughs> Occasionally I let him get to Murray Bridge and I drop him off. No, I didn't. But it used to drive me nuts. It was crazy. It was just mayhem. We didn't have iPads and we didn't have all those uh, gadgets that you can just stick on the back seat or whatever now. It seemed as though we got in the car and it became a totally different zone from what it had been, even though someone said, just break all the rules, give them chocolate, give them lollies, do it all, just let them have it all, and all will be calm. What a load of rubbish. <laughs> what, why is it that so often we do fight in the body of Christ? Tragically, it's because we, we think that we are always right. That the church down the street is always wrong. Or the person sitting on the other side of our pews 
or seats is wrong. Or the new pastor on staff is the enemy. It's only when we recognise we have a common enemy that I believe that we really get united. It hurts me to hear people speak of other followers of Jesus in ways that bring disunity or other pastors. We need to recognise that we have an enemy whose mission is to seek, kill and destroy. To steal the unity in the family of God, to kill the, the power to bring unity. He's after destroying the credibility of the local church. That he does have tactics to do this. This is real stuff. And sadly, many of us may, maybe we're even at this church because we've come out of a situation like that. That it's important that we can do so much more to glorify God when we are unified rather than when we are apart. That's why we pray for unity. That God will be glorified and we can be about God's business because we are unified. Or in this case, I believe, we stay unified in this case here. You know, we talked about last week about how Paul's posture when he prayed that prayer that we read last week where he was on his knees. And there are times I'm on my knees. And I would hope there are times that you are on your knees praying, God, I pray for this church here, your church in Kilsai South, that we would remain unified. May I play my part in that. Even though there might be some things going on that I don't feel as comfortable with that I have in the past even. I want to give you three reasons why we should be praying for unity. One is, is that we, we desperately need each other. We need each other in the family of God. Paul says this in Romans uh, 12 verse 5. He says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. In other words... The hand is not the ear, the ear is not the foot, and the foot is not the esophagus. We, we, we all have separate parts to us that need to work together. They have a special function. What you have is a very special gift, a special function to play in this church. And without it, we're not fully complete. We are many parts of Christ's body, one body. We belong to each other. We need to understand this about unity. It's not uniformity, it's unity. We actually have strength in our differences. It's our difference that gives us the ability to reach many people. Can you imagine if we're all the same? Can you imagine if we're all like me? Just contemplate that for a sec. Okay, that's long enough. My aim here has, has been, to, in the last 10 or so years, to never say anything bad about another church or another Christian organisation. That, that's been my goal in the last 10 years. I might have slipped up every now and again. 
But that's been my goal. As a pastor, as pastors, we, we can actually say not so good things about other churches and other pastors so it makes us feel better. And it's a trap that we can fall into easily. And I would say before 10 years ago, it was a trap that I fell into from time to time. It's easy to do. We're not as bad as the church down the road. At least we're not a mega church. At least we're not a country church. At least it doesn't go too long. At least we don't go too short. What I'm basically and what we basically are doing there is seeking to make ourselves better but doing nothing for unity. You know, snipe comments from pastors, leaders, individuals in a church cause disunity. They do. I'm not saying that at times we shouldn't call out blatant error. If we hear of a church that's saying, well, Jesus just did not raise from the dead. Definitely, we need to be a voice to that. Those sort of things, we need to be a voice. Absolutely. But we've got to be careful that we don't nitpick. We don't pick up on the little things or those things that we think are important where really they're not. All they're doing is bringing disunity. They're really about my interests, no one else's interests. We all worship one name, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. We need each other, so we need to pray. We need to pray together. I'm going to read these out. We have prayer times on a Saturday morning. We have prayer times every Sunday morning at 9.40. We have 6.30 Wednesday morning prayers. I would say if you're a leader, you're sitting here, you're a leader in any ministry of our church, prayer should be such a central part of your leadership. One of the things as a leadership we do as a church, some of you might not know this, but once a month, way before even I started, I think it might have been Graham Nielsen Lee. Did Graham start it? Yeah, anyway, John Wright, doesn't matter. One of them did it. And every month we gather as a leadership and we pray. We pray for this church. It's foundational. If you're in small groups and you don't have prayer times, uh, eat less supper. Pray. Gather to pray. Youth, whatever your age, pray. We need the power of God for us so we can be his church that's a unified church that can be about his business. Second lesson is that we, second point is this, and the second reason is that the world will see God's love. I love the imagery in Romans 5 7 where Paul, along with his prayer, he said, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to praise, to bring praise to God. Accept one another just as Jesus has accepted you. This Greek word that's translated into the English language to accept is such a long Greek word that I'm not even going to try uh, to pronounce it because I will mess it up. But this is what it is. It's a really picturesque word. It's a beautiful word. It carries with it the imagery of when you accept someone. Then you receive them into your arms and you embrace them. Then the word carries on this idea of you walking hand in hand with them. 
So at the end of church today, we are going to hold hands and we're going to walk out together. You're thinking, is he serious? <laughs> I'm joking, okay? So you can start to laugh a little bit. But it's that image. This accepting somebody just as Christ has accepted you, where he has embraced you. He takes your hand and he walks with you. That's this idea of acceptance. That Christ accepted us even while we were yet sinners. He embraced us. He grabbed you by the hand. That's the type of acceptance that Paul is talking about here and praying. That we are to do that with one another. May we be known for that type of love. May we be known by that rather than sadly what some of us can be known for all the things that we're against instead of being known for what we're against I think we need to be known more and more by God's grace that's what we're about I'm so thankful in my time in the church here that that I've seen this in so many of you that you are a reflection of that explanation of acceptance that I just shared. Where we love and we accept one another. John 13 verses 34 and 35 says this. And Jesus couldn't have made it any more clearly for us. If you're confused, this clears it all up. He says, a new command I give to you. This is the command that I give to you. Here it is. To love one another. That's, that's the command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He goes on in verse 35, it says, by this, by this. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say not by your preference of denomination or what Bible version you use or what music style you have. No, They're all okay, but this is what it's about. By this, you'll be known by the way you love one another. Everyone will know then that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. This is why we pray for unity. Last point. With unity, we can do infinitely more together. We, the local church, can, we can do so much more together than when we're apart. And quite honestly, I would hope that we want to do everything to demonstrate unity so that we can do so much more together. We want to do everything so we can support not only this church and work together as a church together, but also churches beyond our our little area here. Because here's the thing, we are all on the same team. We're we're not Geelong and the church down the street is Hawthorne. 
Sorry, David, I had to bring Hawthorne into it. But, but, but it's not like that. We don't like them. We're actually all on the same team. You know, one of the parts of our, our three-year plan here at Kilsyth is to draw alongside a church with less resources than what we are fortunate to have here. A church that doesn't have as many people, that don't have as, as many people involved that have the gifts that sit here. And we want to look for that church and we want to encourage and we want to assist them in such a way that they can do more for the kingdom of God. And you're going to hear about that and hopefully you'll go, bang, I remember that message that, what was his name? Tim. When he preached that message on unity and he spoke about this opportunity that I can play a part to help that church do so much more, I'm willing to go up there and try my piano skills again or just to sit there and encourage them and pray with them. Just be there with them. We can do so much more together. KSBC, this church here, has benefited over the years of people serving this church. There's a church called Heathmont Baptist that encouraged people to leave their church to start this church. They raised money for this church. They released people who were important people at Heathmont. They gave up the resources because they could see that they could do so much more by doing this. The Baptist Union have an initiative right now that is worth reminding you of, an initiative called Grow, Give, Go. It's Baptist churches being a movement of people on mission to advance the kingdom of God through new churches in Victoria. So when you put a couple of dollars in when we did that offering recently, that has a significant effect. And maybe for some of you, you may live close by in the coming year. You might move out there. Embrace that opportunity. It can be an opportunity to be involved. We can do infinitely more together than we can do apart. Well, time's nearly up, but I just want to highlight this. When you look back at the first century church, you notice this, how unified they were. They had no buildings. They had no fundraisers. They had so much against them. They were proclaiming Jesus and they were losing their life. Yet this band, this small group of people, this in many ways uneducated group of people, passionate Jesus, were so committed to spreading the gospel of Jesus and to do it in unity. And people who did not even believe in Jesus would notice them. They didn't believe in Jesus, but they would go, there is something about them. What is it about them? They stand together. They're united together. It's something that I've never seen. What is it? And they would tell them. In Acts chapter 4, there's this, this powerful description. And the author of Acts, Luke, described it this, this way. He said, all the believers were one. All the believers were one. One in mind and one in spirit. They were unified. They were unified, unified, unified. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. 
but they shared everything they had. Do you want me just to read that again? You might be dozing. Come back and just listen to this verse. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Now that is crazy love. Imagine if I just said to you this morning, as you go, just leave your shoes here. Some of you are going, I just bought it yesterday. I'm not taking my shoes off. I'm not going to ask you to do that, but this is unbelievable type of love. They were committed to the family of Jesus, unlike, I think, anything I've nearly ever read of. I struggle to do, take my shoes off to give it to someone else. These people love God so much that they actually literally took their possessions and actually, actually would say, hey, to the church, you sell this, sell these possessions and give it to the people who most need it. Listen to what verse 33, 34 of Acts 4 says, and by God's grace, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. When we're unified, we can do so much more together. The unchurched, those yet saved, need to see a unified church. I think they're a little bit sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They need to see it. They want to see it. So my prayer would be that you would continue to join me to pray that this church would be a unified church that this would be a reminder to us that we can do so much more. I think this church could still do so much more. But it's unified, which is terrific. I pray that it would continue to be that way. In a church this size, in a church this size, there's some of you that aren't so unified. Maybe you've got to get on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. I need to have a much more unified heart for this place I do so God you can work through me and through your church here maybe the first thing we need to do is turn our eyes to Jesus that's the first place to start because when we actually do that unity will flow through your life and through the church let me pray Father we, we thank you for Paul. We thank you for Jesus and that their prayers are in your word for us to read. And the reminder as we read those prayers this morning of the importance of being one. One in you, one with you, one as your church. So that your name will be glorified and so that the church can be about your business. I thank you for the unity in this church. For those for many years who have seeked to see this church unified, who have had the courage to pull people up at times even, when they've seen this unity creeping in. Thank you for their boldness and being able to do it in God-honouring ways. And I pray that we would continue to have that boldness 
if we see disunity coming through action or even in words, that we would walk away, that we would pull it up and say, no, 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 this is not about God's way. This is the work of the evil one. We pray a prayer upon your church here that you would protect us from the evil one who has an absolute desire to see this church and any church disunified so the good news of Jesus can no longer flow. I just want to pray for anyone here, God, today that is in this place that even in the last weeks or months of been saying things or doing things that as they even sit here this morning, they go, yep, I feel convicted here. That some of my actions, some of my words are not of what Paul prayed. They would seek forgiveness and have an attitude of mind towards each other that Paul speaks about. One that is of Christ Jesus. So that indeed that we can be that of one mind and one voice that glorifies you, that is about your business. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.